0: You're listening to Discover Hope with Pastor Tom Leake of Hope Bible Church in Columbia, Maryland. He made the lame to walk. He
1: walked on water, literally, not like on ice, you know, on a pond. This was a miracle. He touched the eyes of the blind and they saw. Who does that? I love the words of John seven thirty one. But many of the crowd believed in Jesus and they were saying, when the Messiah comes... He will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? You can see them kind of debating it, right? Uh, Who's going to do more signs than this guy? Come on! How many has he done? How come you're not believing in him yet?
0: When it comes to the miracles of Jesus, there isn't any question that they happened. Even the people who called for his crucifixion acknowledged his miracles. In today's message, Pastor Tom is going to show how Peter used the life of Christ to show that Jesus was the one and only Messiah the people had been waiting for. He spoke with boldness that came from the Spirit of God, and because of his words, many people came to believe. You have the same story to tell, so share it boldly. Now, here's Pastor Tom in the book of John chapter 5 as he continues his message, Logic on Fire, The Church's First Sermon.
1: John five thirty six. Jesus knew that they were having a tough time believing in him, but he said, the witness which I have is greater than that of John the Baptist. For the works, he's talking about his, his miracles, the works which the Father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. See, you know, you see me doing these miracles, you can't help but know. How could you miss it? Christ's miracles exhibited and confirmed his Messiahship to the Jews. Unlike John the Baptist, who never claimed to be the Messiah, and he did not perform miracles. Do you know that? John the Baptist did not perform miracles, and he never claimed that he was able to do He just stood there, and he said, I'm just a voice crying in a wilderness. Make ready the way of the Lord. By the way, side note, Buddha didn't do miracles. Muhammad didn't do miracles. Mary didn't do miracles. Confucius didn't do miracles. Joseph Smith didn't do miracles. Jesus Christ did miracles. Why? Because Jesus is God's man. That's who he is. The entire world needs to know it, and the entire world needs to know it because there's a testimony in this book that says he was a man that just blitzed Israel with miracles. You know, the Jews wanted signs. They like signs. People today would like signs, too. They want miracles. You know, Paul said, the Jews ask for signs. Come on, give me a sign. Give me some proof. Greeks searched for wisdom. Ah, they tried to think of wisdom, you know, like an ath. But the Jews, they wanted a sign. Give me a sign. What sign do you do? No sign, I'm not believing in you, you know? That's how the Jews were. Have to have a sign. So God gave them signs. Gave them a lot of signs. Couldn't miss it, really. Boatloads of signs. Notice Peter uses three words for these signs here. Miracles, wonders, and signs. Miracles. Would you like to see a miracle? Miracles is the word dunamis. It's a word that has to do with the display of power. We get our word dynamite from it, but it doesn't mean dynamite. It just means that there's a power at work there. People would see there's power there. That's not natural. That's power that is at work. That's a miracle. And then the word wonders, teran. It's a word that points to the marveling that people did when they watched the mighty act. So God does dunamis, power, and then the people would watch it and they go, wow, that's Tehran. It's a wonder. And then he uses the word sign, samion. That shows that the, the, mighty, the mighty power that was at work was kind of like a message. It was supposed to say something. It was to tell them something. You see, this, you see this miracle, now figure out what's going on here. You saw the miracle, now what does that mean? Put, put it together, come on, use your brain and think. That's what it was. They weren't just like, uh, you know, divine whims, you know, just pointing here and, and a miracle happened or zapping there and a miracle happened. They were, they were thought through. There was something that Jesus did so that you would look at them and you would see the power in you know, Well, that's got to be God. Now, what is God saying by that miracle? It's a sign. A sign points to something. It says, this is the truth. Figure it out. All three of these realities can be seen in one of Jesus' greatest miracles, and that is raising Lazarus from the dead, recorded in John chapter 11. Do you remember that amazing miracle? What a, what a miracle. Remember Jesus delayed? He didn't come for four days because he wanted to make sure Lazarus was dead, dead, You know that everyone knew he was dead, that he was dead and gone, kind of dead, not like close to dead, but been dead for four days, kind of dead. That kind of dead, so that when he raised him from the dead, everybody knew he was raised from the dead and not the sleep, right? Put behind the stone. There he is. He's dead. Jesus took his time. You know, he just kind of meandered there. And Mary and Martha are like, oh, Martha was like, if you'd been here, my brother would have lived. Basically, Jesus tells her to calm down. Everything's going to be fine. What happened? Well, there was dunamis, right? How do you get a dead man up to live again? There's got to be an injection of power. That's dunamis. I mean, he was truly dead. He wasn't resuscitated after drowning. He was dead, brain dead. And then there was power. Then the people who saw it outside of the tomb, they see this guy come out. He's wrapped around, you know. Jesus says, unwrap him and let him go. And what are the people doing? Like, oh my goodness. You can just see him kind of unwrapping. Is that you, Lazarus? Is that really you? Oh, there he is. His neighbor, their brother, they knew him. And so they were filled with wonder. I imagine some people screamed. I imagine some people were shocked. And then... Sameon, on the sign. What does all that mean? Exactly what Jesus had finished telling Martha right before he raised him from the dead. He said, Martha, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. Do you believe this? And Martha said, yes, I believe. But she didn't really know what she was saying, right? And then he raises someone from the dead. And everyone's supposed to be like, he, he has life inside of him. He just give life. My goodness. Who is he? This is God. Only God can give life, you see. And so it's amazing. This is all that. By the way, if you go to any of Jesus' miracles, you could see that there's power, then there's a reaction, there's wonder, and then there's a sign. What does that mean? He opens the eyes of the blind. What does that mean? He can open your spiritual eyes. You can't see right now, but God can help you to understand spiritual things. There it is. Every single one of them meant something. Remember in the boat? You know, he stands up, he rebukes the winds and the waves, and the winds and the waves stop. That'd be a wonderful thing to have. Go outside and rebuke the cold, right? Minus, Minus two this morning in Lisbon, Maryland. Minus two. You know, I could stand out there. You know, if if you were God in human flesh, you could stand up and say 50 degrees. That's what I want. 70 degrees. I want it. Nice. Boom. Everything obeys you. That's what Jesus was. Wind and waves stop. And remember the disciples in the boat, they're like, who is this? Who is this? Who is this that he can command the winds and the waves? Yeah, now you got it going. Now you're starting to think it through. This is not a normal guy. The title prophet's not good enough for him, you see. He's more than that. By the way, Jesus gave this kind of power to the apostles. He rested this power on the apostles. It says in Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 4 that God testified with the apostles by signs and wonders and by various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to God's own will. You know why the people knew that they were the apostles and not somebody else? Because all the other Christians or most of the other Christians, they didn't do these signs. The apostles, the ambassadors of Jesus did do those signs. Someone stands up today and say, I could do all those miracles. You're not an apostle of Jesus. You can't do that. You weren't chosen. Paul defended this in Second Corinthians 12, 12. He, he wrote, the signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance by signs and wonders and miracles. There they are again, signs and wonders and miracles. The whole point of that is that very few Christians got to do that. Otherwise, everyone would be authenticated as an apostle but God was authenticating them as the true spokespersons of Jesus Christ. The presence of all three of these proved God was at work in a special way. When people say that there are miracles here and their are miracles there, and you study them and you find them out to be not true, they're false, they're phony, that's because this was very, very special. This was God and the finger of God working You know, sometimes they say a category five tornado is the finger of God. No, it's not. Here was the finger of God. Category five tornadoes happen. This doesn't happen. This is the finger of God. This is the power of God. This was to convince the most skeptical group of people that demanded signs that these are the signs. What else do you wait? What else are you waiting for? You know, very finger of God at work. People see it. They know that's that's God. How many miracles did Jesus do? You know, nobody knows. Nobody knows. There's, As far as the story and account, there's 40 of them that are written, about 40 of them that are written uh, in the four Gospels. But then you read certain verses that say, and they brought to him all those that were sick, and he healed all of them. How many was that? Nobody knows. This could be hundreds. This could have been thousands of miracles that he did. He controlled nature. He healed all sicknesses instantly. He raised the dead. He made the lame to walk. He walked on water, literally. Not like on ice, (laughs) you know, on a pond. This was a miracle. He touched the eyes of the blind and they saw. Who does that? I love the words of John 7, 31. But many of the crowd believed in Jesus and they were saying, when the Messiah comes, he will not perform more signs than those which this man has, will he? You can see them kind of debating it, right? Who's going to do more signs than this guy? Come on. How many has he done? How come you're not believing in him yet? Well, there are many modern people that are skeptical of miracles. They rule out miracles before even investigating them. That's not fair. That's not objective. That's not scientific. You know, there are people that are searching searching for the historical Jesus. Who is the real historical Jesus? That always makes me laugh. There's four gospel accounts that were eyewitness accounts. They tell us who the real historical Jesus was, and they say, yeah, but we know that miracles don't happen. And so since miracles don't happen, this must all be legend and myth, and it was just kind of embellished. So let's try to find who the real historical Jesus was. Let's strip away all the miracles from his life and see what's left. It's kind of like stripping away all the sugar from cotton candy, see what's left. And there's not a lot left there. You know, there's not a lot left. His whole life, his, his, his conception was miraculous. He like, he without wings, he stood on the, on the planet and he went up to heaven at the end of his life. And in between, there's a lot of miracles. You didn't get that. Something's wrong. Obviously, the real historical Jesus was a miracle working Jesus. That's the whole point. His miracles were recorded right away. They were done and talked about right after his death. There's no time for a a, a legend to develop. When Peter was preaching this, this was only 50 days after the Passover and Jesus' crucifixion. Where's the time for mythology to develop in 50 days, for goodness sake? Even the most ardent skeptics of our day agree that the letter of 1 Corinthians, written by Paul, was written only 20 years after the death of Jesus. And it documents the amazing miracle of the resurrection of Jesus and says that many of the eyewitnesses that saw the resurrection of Jesus were still living in Palestine. You could travel there and consult them and ask. Attempting to strip all the miraculous away from Jesus' life to discover what would be left is not a search for the real historical Jesus. It's an obvious attempt to make a Jesus the way they want him to be. And it's not historical. It's not scientific. Please don't be fooled by that. There's no method there that anybody can follow. It's circular reasoning to assume at the very beginning miracles can't happen and then pronounce after a so-called investigation, hey, there are no miracles that happen. Surprise! What other outcome would you expect from self-styled scientists? There are a lot of people that claim to be in academia and that they claim to be in touch with facts and all the rest. Don't let them fool you. They don't have any facts. They're not dealing with facts. They're dealing with assumptions. They're dealing with their philosophy they bring. There is no supernatural. Therefore, anyone in history that said there was a supernatural must be mythological. That's not an investigation. That's prejudice. And you shouldn't think that way. Listen, if Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, the very first verse of the Bible, if that verse is true, in the beginning, God spoke into creation everything that we see, I would say that's a pretty grand display of the miraculous. Would you agree? If he could do that, if he could just speak and put the stars there, what's the big deal about multiplying loaves? If the first verse of the Bible is true, there is a God And there are miracles. By the way, no one has given an explanation how this universe could get here without God. And any talk about a Big Bang describing something, it doesn't explain anything. It explains nothing. It's all just smoke and mirrors. It's only fools that believe nature created nature. What does that even mean? From an historical perspective, if you investigate it with an honest heart, you see that the eyewitness testimony of the apostles is consistent. History testifies to their united, informed, particular and detailed and genuine witness. And not just the apostles, the Jews who didn't believe in Christ were aware he was a miracle-working guy. They they were not, as Peter says here in the sermon, they were not able to say, oh my, what a terrible mistake we made. We accidentally killed the Messiah. We didn't know. We didn't know. Peter says, just as you yourselves know. They'd seen the proof, and they still rejected Messiah. Even Jesus' most bitter enemies never even hinted at Christ's miracles not being true. The best explanation they could come up with in order to keep their status before the others and act like they really knew what was going on is, okay, okay, he casts out the demons, but he does that by the power of Satan. And Jesus stepped forward and said, so if Satan casts out Satan, how is he going to keep his kingdom? How ludicrous is that? Satan's casting out Satan. No, they all knew that Jesus did genuine miracles. All of them knew that. After raising Lazarus from the dead, do you know what the unbelieving Jews said in John 11? Some of them went away to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done, raising a man from the dead. Therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council, there it is, and were saying, what are we doing? (laughs) For this man is performing many signs. If we let him go on like this, all men will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take away both our place and our nation. You see what their concern was? What a selfish concern, no matter of of evidence, will be sufficient for any unbeliever. This is why they rejected Jesus. The signs were real. They weren't tricks. Tricks don't lead anyone to God. If someone gets led to God because of a trick, once they find out the trick, the whole gig is over, right? And you're like, forget it. I'm not following this guy anymore. No, these were miracles. These were to lead them to God. They were signed. But what they did is they exposed the evil of that generation more. Jesus once pleaded with the Jews in John 10, if I do not do the works of my father, then do not believe me. But if I do them, though you do not believe me, believe the works that you may know and understand that the father is in me and I in the father. It's if you're looking at me and you say, ah, what good comes out of Nazareth? What could this guy looks around 30 years of age? He doesn't look any different than anybody else. I can't believe in him. Jesus said, okay, if you're having trouble with that, I'll be patient with you. Look at the miracles. And they did. They said, ah, he does it by Satan. What blindness, what hardness of heart. So they were guilty. In fact, Jesus made this point in John 15 verses 24 and 25. He said to the disciples, if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, Notice he knew, right? They would not have guilt, but now they have both seen and hated me and my father as well, but they have done this in order that the word may be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. There is no rational basis for rejecting Jesus as the Messiah. And that is the truth that Peter is driving home in this most impressive sermon. Look how Peter... Indicts them for this hatred without a cause at the end of verse 22. Just as you yourselves know. I wish I had heard how he said that exactly. I wonder how his eyes looked at when he looked at them. Just as you yourselves know. You saw him feed the 5,000 with almost nothing. You heard him casting out demons. You saw him giving sight back to the blind. You heard how he stopped the windstorm with a word. Why didn't you repent? Why didn't you get it? Nicodemus, a Pharisee, on the ruling council of the Jews, one of the the big 70, even conceded this in John 3, 2. He came to him by night, remember? Remember what he said? Teacher, we know that you have come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do, unless God is with him. Bingo, Nicodemus, that's the whole point. The man born blind in John 9 was smarter than all of his teachers. He knew how to put two plus two together and not let anyone else say that equals five. He said, no, 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 it equals four. What do I mean? He told the Jewish authorities, here is an amazing thing that you do not know where Jesus is from and yet he opened my eyes. I love that guy sometimes you need to stick with your common sense and your logic and not listen to everybody in academia. Because if if they're forcing themselves to not believe something because they don't want to, they're not academic. And I don't care how many credentials they have behind their name. If education leads you to deny the obvious, your education isn't worth much. Jesus the Nazarene was a man attested to you by God just as you yourselves know. and What did you do to him? What did you do to him? And this is where Peter's preaching is going to begin to hurt a little. And that's the second stage here, and that's the death of Jesus. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. This man, still talking about Jesus, delivered up by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed a cross, and even worse, by the hands of godless men, and put him to death. See, Peter's kind of like a lawyer in a courtroom, and he's building a case against the Jews. He's building an indictment. By the way, beloved, sometimes sermons are meant to hurt. Sometimes they're supposed to make people feel guilty because there is guilt, Before God. And these Jews were guilty. We're not always supposed to accentuate the positive. Sometimes we're supposed to point out where we err. First, Peter said, I'm going to prove to you Jesus's Messiahship. Remember all of the supernatural wonders that he did. A public life of miracle working. Clearly a man sent from God. But this was the question the Jews had. Okay, okay, I saw the miracles and everything, but wait a minute. You're saying he's the Messiah. You're saying he's the son of David. You're saying he's the king who's going to rule. How come he died on a cross? That's where they were. They could not come across the finish line to put their faith in Christ because they stumbled on the stumbling block of the cross. A king, the son of David, not triumphant. David won his wars. Solomon reigned over a great kingdom. The son of David should be triumphant. Jesus was crucified on a cross like a common criminal outside the walls of Jerusalem. And that's kind of where it ended. How could he be the Messiah? Peter knows that is an objection by the Jews. He knows. He's probably even heard it. This is exactly the objection that the Jewish leaders hurled at Jesus when he hung on the cross in Luke 23, 35. What did they say to him as he hung up there? He saved others. Let him come down from the cross so that we can believe in him now. Can he save himself? And then when he didn't and he died and he breathed his last, they were like, forget it. So if Jesus was the chosen one of God, why did he die? Well, Peter provides the answer. Jesus was delivered up to die. Jesus went to the cross, listen, due to a predetermined plan of God. Predetermined. In Greek, that means to mark out the boundaries ahead of time. So it means to determine something in advance. Before it happens, it's determined, it's marked out, it's, it's predestined. It was God's predetermined plan to have Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, killed. That is why he was delivered up to be crucified. Jesus was not a loser. Jesus made it clear in John 10, 18, long before his death, he said, No one is able to take my life away from me. I lay it down willingly. When they came to arrest him, remember in John, he says he spoke, and the whole crowd fell backwards, and then they got up, and he said, Whom do you seek? And he gave himself into their hands, you see. Peter took out the sword and tried to swipe the guy's head off, and he only got the ear. And Jesus said, Put the sword away. I could appeal to the Father at any time, and he would send legions of angels. He laid down his life willingly. He cooperated with the plan of God. There's a whole sermon in that, by the way. God has you going through something difficult. Are you ready by faith to cooperate with the plan of God? Or are you going to run from the will of God like Jonah ran to Tarshish? The elders of the Jews are the ones who delivered Jesus up to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, who was the one that had the authority to kill somebody because they didn't have that authority. And it may have been Pilate that washed his hands and then delivered Jesus over to be crucified. But Peter... Driven by the power of the Holy Spirit, understanding what really happened, he said, I'll tell you the main reason the Messiah died. I'll tell you the main reason that he was slaughtered. It's God predetermined it had to happen. What does that mean? That means the death of Messiah did not thwart God's plan. Rather, the death of Messiah fulfilled it. There was a plan put in place by God long ago. Long ago. The book of Revelation tells us that the names of believers like you and me, believers in Jesus, were all written in a book called the Lamb's Book of Life. And it was written there before the world was even created, much less us being born. Now, how could that happen unless the Lamb was slain in God's mind before the world even began?
0: The real historical Jesus was a miracle worker. That's the whole point. In today's message, Pastor Tom continued through Peter's first sermon on the day of Pentecost. Peter pointed the people to the real, documented, known miracles that Jesus had done among them while he was on earth. Everyone there knew already Jesus worked miracles. Peter showed them how there is no rational reason to reject Jesus as the Messiah. We're so glad you joined us today on Discover Hope. We'd like to meet you, so if you're in the area, come visit us at Hope Bible Church. Our Sunday mornings include Bible classes at 9.30 a.m., followed by a worship service at 11 a.m. You can find out more at hopebible.org or give us a call at 443-200-HOPE. That's 443 200 hope we'd also like to invite you to join us in bringing the kingdom of god and the joy of salvation to our listeners by becoming a financial partner of discover hope find out more under the giving tab at hopebible.org after peter shows the people that jesus is the messiah there were going to be big questions like how can he be the messiah when he died on a cross when you come back next time pastor tom is going to show you how peter answered those questions in the next part of his sermon he's going to dive into a big question of our day too. Is God in control of everything or are people responsible for their actions? Thanks for tuning in today for Discover Hope. If you'd like to hear more teachings from Pastor Tom, visit hopebiblechurch.org. There's much more to learn from the book of Acts, so we hope you'll join us again right here on Discover Hope.